You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome to episode 531 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. How's it going? Okay. Not quite awake yet. Yeah, that's fair. It's a little bit early. Although I hear in one of our areas, there's birds, which is nice. That's my area. Yeah. But um, it's more like this time change is, it's mm-hmm. rough this time around for whatever reason. Yeah. I'm actually feeling a little bit too. I've like felt real wonky by the end of every day. Um, yeah. Okay. Full disclosure. We were going to preview the Audi award finalists, um, during this episode. Uh, they take place. If you're listening to this on the 18th they take place a week from today. Um, and you can actually watch them online for free. Uh, anybody can this year and I'll, I'll put a link in our bio if you want to do that. Um, but then, uh, last night we're recording this on, on Wednesday morning. Um, last night, a white racist terrorist in Atlanta, uh, murdered eight people and six of them were Asian women. Um, and this has been a, there's been a string over the last year, especially, but for a really long time. But of course there's a train and everything going on in my background. Um, but there's been, there's been a string of, um, anti-Asian violence in America for a long, long time. But over the past year, especially, it's been really, really bad. Um, like hate crimes against Asian Americans in New York City are up something like 1900% over the last uh, year. And so um, a lot of this started with our previous president calling the coronavirus the China virus and people continuing to allow that type of speech to go on and make jokes about it and things. But when you make jokes about stuff like that, um, it dehumanizes the people that you're talking about and then leads to violence like this because people think it's acceptable. So, um, sorry, I might get a little emotional. My, um, my mother-in-law is Chinese American and, um, I don't know, this one just like really got to me. So there's obviously a million things that are going on in the world that, are really shitty. Um, and Jill nor I are obviously the definitive voices on things to do and how to take action. But if you want to go to um, our Twitter page, I've been retweeting a bunch of people who have links to um, places that you can support the Asian community, the Asian American community um, all around the country. Um, and there's also a training that I'll put a link in our bio to it. It's basically like bystander training that um, if you're a bystander to hate crimes, then like you see something happening, basically it, it'll walk you through how to try to deescalate and help where you can. Um, I'll put a link in it. I, it's been going around, um, RO Kwan shared it this morning and I, I, I think they're filling up pretty quickly, but I'll put a link in there if, if you want to look at that. But, um, the one thing we can do is 
book recommendations. So Jill and I are going to do um, just some book recommendations by Asian and Asian American uh, authors that we really like and, and think, you know, you might enjoy as well. But um, yeah, so probably not going to be my jokey normal self today, but I don't know if you want to add anything here. Like I, I'm not like, I didn't think any of this through before I started talking, but uh, no, I think you, you know, kind of covered it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, we're going to do what we always do and, and go back and forth with some, some book recommendations. I also, um, there's a, a much larger collection than this on overdrive.com, uh, which I'll share as well. Uh, but yeah, we'll do our best, like I said, on our social media channels to share some much more informed voices of, of places that if you want to help, if you want to do something so you don't feel helpless, like I did this morning, um, I'll, I'll share those on our social media pages. So, uh, yeah, no real easy way to transition from everything that's going on, but do you want to kind of jump in with your first recommendation? Sure. Um, my first one is the queen of the night by Alexander Chi. Uh, Alexander Chi is obviously a phenomenal writer. Um, and the queen of the night is a novel about, uh, Lilia Byrne. She's an orphan who left America for Europe and she was sort of, you know, swept up into the glamor of second empire France. And then she became a sensation of the Paris opera. So I'm like already sold, like who doesn't love the Paris opera at that time? And, um, you know, she gets, uh, every accolade except for an original role and then she's offered one but when she gets the libretto it's based on her deepest secret and it's something only four people have ever known and so this is sort of the story about like who betrayed her and how did this all come to be um and written in and she's just fabulous writing voice yeah it's wonderful um my first one i've talked about a million times on here but i just want to get it out of the way first before i go into my other recommendations uh pachinko by min jin lee uh it's this is one of my favorite books ever uh, min was on the podcast oh my god like three or four years ago a while at this ago. Point. yeah Sheesh. for i think it was probably four years ago because um the book came out in 2017 um but it is a, a long sweeping novel that is told um throughout the 1900s um, and it starts with this teenager named Sunja, who um, is a daughter of a crippled fisherman. And they fall for this uh, like wealthy stranger uh, on a seashore near their home in Korea. Um, and she ends up getting pregnant and but doesn't want to go with this man because she finds out that he's married. And so instead, she... Um, makes her way to Japan with a minister who she ends up um, falling in love with. So she kind of abandons her home, but it also basically causes this ongoing series of uh, family of, of their family line where everyone feels very displaced. And um, along those same lines with like the hatred that's going on in America, there's um, a lot of hatred between like Korean and Japanese people in their respective countries. And so this, this is this feeling of um, feeling other and not feeling like you belong. And it's, uh, it's a complex, long book that's like just beautiful, but it's all about um, these devoted family members who are uh, 
very, very strongly love each other, but they're also super stubborn sometimes. And it's not, it's just, it's a beautiful book. So, um, yeah, my first one, again, which I've talked about a lot is Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. My next one is The Duke Who Didn't by Courtney Milan. So Courtney is a historical romance author and um, she writes a lot of Asian historical romances, which or at least characters, you know, sometimes not both in the couple are Asian, but that's not always a perspective you see very often in romance. So um, The Duke Who Didn't is about Chloe and, you know, she has like plans for her life and no time for nonsense. And so three years ago, she told her childhood sweetheart that he could talk to her once he planned to be serious. And then he left that night. So that bodes well. Um, But now he's back. He comes back. And um, Jeremy is the Duke of Lansing. He has returned to the tiny village he once visited. And he comes back with the hopes of wooing Chloe. In his defense for his absence, it took him years of attempting to be serious to realize that that sort of endeavor was kind of incompatible with his personality. So all he has to do now is convince Chloe to make room for, um, you know, this, the actual thing says mischievous trickster. So, you know, in her life and then disclose that all the years they've known each other, he's failed to mention his real name. Plus one really kind of important detail, which is the fact that he owns her entire village. So this should be fine. Uh, <laughs> just a small secret. Just a small secret. Just a small secret. Yeah. So um, again, the Duke who didn't, it is just one of Courtney Milan's many romance novels, historical romance novels that feature, feature Asian characters, which is mm-hmm. really fantastic. Yeah. Uh, my next one is Marriage of a Thousand Lies by S.J. Sindhu, which has just a, a beautiful cover. Um, this story is super interesting. I just realized the first couple of books that I recommended are all blurbed by Roxane Gay, which is a funny little coincidence. Um, so this is the story of Lucky and her husband, Krishna. They are both Sri Lankan American. They also both happen to be gay. So they present this, um, this like, picture of marital bliss to their conservative Sri Lankan American families. Um, but then they also, they have an understanding and they both go on dates on the side with people that they actually would want to be in a relationship with. And while it's not ideal, um, it's kind of working. Um, like you can go out and like drink and dance a little bit. And then, um, she makes them, she's a digital art, uh, she gets paid by doing digital art kind of on the side. Uh, what ends up happening though is Lucky's grandmother, has a really bad accident and Lucky goes back to her childhood home and she kind of picks up, strikes up a friendship again with her former best friend and first lover. Her name is Nisha, uh, who's also preparing for her own arranged wedding with a man that she's never met. And so um, their connection, they start kind of, you know, falling in love again and sort of figuring out what they're going to do and how they overcome all these lies that they've been doing for they've been having for years and years. And um, it's just a really interesting look at the like really complex relationships we have, but also dealing with sexuality and race and nationality and and all of these um, really, really powerful things. So yeah, it's a beautiful story. It's really, really good. And again, the cover of this book is just, I need to actually buy the physical cover of the physical copy of this because it's gorgeous. It's a marriage of a thousand lies by S.J. Sindhu. 
Um, my next one, which also has a fantastic cover and is somewhat similar, um, is Girls Burn Brighter by mm-hmm. Shoba Rowe. So this is actually about two um, childhood friends, uh, Pornama and Savita. They have three strikes against them. They are poor, they are ambitious, and they are girls. And after her mother's death, Pornama has very little kindness in her life. She has to care for her siblings until her father can find her a suitable match. So again, that arranged marriage thing. So when Savita enters their household, Pornama is intrigued by the joyful, independent-minded girl. And suddenly their small village in India doesn't feel quite so claustrophobic. And Pornama can kind of look at a life beyond arranged marriage. But um, a devastating act of cruelty drives Savita away. And then Pornama leaves everything behind to kind of go find her friend and her journey takes her into the darkest corners of India's underworld on a crossing on a harrowing cross continental journey and eventually to an apartment complex in Seattle. And so the book kind of goes back and forth between um, the two girls perspectives, sort of looking at um, their friendship and the obstacles that stand in the way um, and again, it has a, a really fantastic cover. Um, okay, so my next one is by Jean Luen Yang. And Jean was actually on episode 455 uh, last year when we were talking about, uh, we, I did like a DC Comics panel of addressing racism and LGBT representation and um, like really challenging topics through storytelling and graphic novels. Uh, Jean Luen Yang has done that you if you are a fan of comics or graphic novels at all or the um, or the last airbender you probably recognize his name because he's done he's done so many incredible graphic novels and comics um, for children and adults and young adults but the book I want to talk about is American Born Chinese and this is this is a little bit older I think yeah it's back in 2006 this might be his first book um, but it is uh, as back at the time he was an indie comic star at the time. And um, it tells the story of these three seemingly unrelated characters, uh, Jin Wang, who moves to this new neighborhood with his family. Um, and he ends up discovering he's the only Chinese American student at his new school. Uh, the second story is about uh, the monkey King, which is one of the, probably the most famous Chinese uh, fable. And then there's Chin Ki, who's like the personification of, um, negative Chinese stereotypes and he's ruining, um, his cousin's life with these yearly visits. Um, and then these stories end up coming together at the end for this very like action packed sort of modern fairy tale type of a fable. Um, it ended up being a national book award finalist back in 2006 and it won a whole bunch of awards, but it's just beautiful illustrations. Um, Gene writes all the, the stories himself and then also does the comic, like the artwork as well. He has this really, um, like you can tell it's a Jean Luen Yang. Once you start looking at his stuff more, it's like, oh, he definitely did the, the imagery on this. So it's American Born Chinese by Jean Luen Yang. Uh, my next one is All You Can Ever Know by Nicole Chung. So this is uh, nonfiction. It's actually a memoir. So Nicole was born um, premature and she was put up for adoption by her Korean parents. And then a white family adopted her. And so this book kind of goes into the complexity that comes with transracial adoption as the child adopted by 
um, a white family who, um, she, you know, like her, her, her white adopted parents sort of sold her story as like this, okay. White savior story, basically. So she, (laughs) you know, like, oh, she was so lucky to be Mm -hmm. like adopted. Um, and she kind of believed them because she didn't really you know, have any better understanding. And then as she continued to grow up, she faced um, prejudice that, you know, her white family did not experience or weren't aware of and is struggling to find her identity as an Asian American in this sort of like sheltered white world. Um, And uh, yeah, so she wrote about it in her memoir, which is fantastic. so that's all you can ever know. Uh, my next one is Obit by Victoria Chang. Uh, <clears throat> I don't read a lot of poetry, but I remember reading this uh, last year and being like just blown away. Um, what this is, Victoria Chang is, is a poet. And after her mother died, um, she basically, you know, she was asked to do and basically to eulogize her and like she just struggled with it. She didn't really want to. And so what she did instead was she wrote a number of poems that are basically like versions of obituaries that you would see in the newspaper. And um, they kind of touch on not only death and things that, you know, and how we grieve, but also like the cultural impact that death has on the, on the living. So you know, when, when someone that you are very close to passes away, it's almost like you have this period of time where people are very understanding and they are very um, kind of gentle with you. And then like, there's, it gets to a certain point where it's almost like you're just expected to move on with your life, which can be extremely challenging. And so that's a lot what Victoria wrote about in these poems of like trying to handle her own grief, but also how she carries on living. And so what she did is these, these poems are kind of like, um, they're almost like obituaries for small losses that we all experience in life, but they're also followed by like her mother's death and how each of these poems are also kind of an ode to how her mother lived and the, the influence that, um, that she had in her life. And then also she kind of looks at how she thinks her family will remember her someday when she's gone. So there's beautiful. They're really, obviously it's a book of poetry. So you can, you know, kind of read one at a time and you can think about it, or you can read them all collectively pretty quickly if you would like, but they're just really, really beautiful and touching. So that's uh, Obit by Victoria Chang. Um, so this is my last one, but I just want to reiterate what you said at the beginning that we have a whole list of other Mm -hmm. books. Um, so we're only, you know, sharing about 10 with you in this episode, but there's a list, a lot more, um, that you can find on overdrive.com. So my last one is minor feelings by Kathy Park Hong. And, um, so Kathy is a poet and an essayist, and this is again, a nonfiction book of essays where she kind of blends memoir, cultural criticism, and history to expose fresh truths about racialized consciousness in America. Um, so she's the daughter of Korean immigrants. She grew up steeped in shame, suspicion, and melancholy, you know, because of her identity and, and sort of living in America where, um, American, you know, optimism kind of contradicts her own experiences growing up. And then when you sort of 
start to internalize a lot of those lies that you're told about your racial identity, you have these, you know, she had these minor feelings that she didn't feel were maybe, um, like, uh, you know, you have these feelings, uh, and, and the bigger culture is like, no, that's not right. You shouldn't feel that way. And mm-hmm. so you sort of like maybe push them aside, but they're not minor. They're actually really big and important. So her book is all about that. Um, and she uses her own story to sort of dig deeper into all of this in, in America, uh, as a, as a culture. Um, so that's minor feelings by Kathy Parkong. And then my last one is Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. Uh, this came out, I think, last year and um, actually won the National Book Award. Uh, it is ludicrously good and it's just extremely deep in the sense where it it will make you laugh, but also make you think a whole lot. So uh, Willis Wu is the the protagonist of the book and he, but he doesn't even perceive himself as the protagonist like in his own life. Um, he's just kind of, and this is in the book, generic Asian man. Um, sometimes he gets to be like the background oriental person making a strange face, but uh, regardless of what he is, he's always relegated to a prop. So he goes to, he lives in Chinatown and he, um, he goes to this golden palace restaurant, which is used as a um, basically like a, a scene on an ongoing procedural cop show. So he's kind of like always in the background um, and he dreams of being what he calls Kung Fu guy, which is the most respected role that anyone who looks like him can attain is what he thinks. Um, he ends up stumbling into the spotlight and he finds himself kind of like launching into this much bigger world. And um, it goes through all of basically like these things that we have come to understand through pop culture, like these um, versions of Asian Americans that we think are the ones that are actually exist because of the fact that this is what we see in movies and television shows all the time. And like, there's actually a line in it that's just really poignant where it's like, he says something along the lines of like, my family has been in America for 200 years. When do I get to call myself an American? And um, it's just, like I said, it's, it's a book that will make you laugh. It will probably make you cry, but it's also just very, very beautifully written. Um, and it was one of the best things I read all last year. So that's um, Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. Um, and yeah, and like Jill said, I'll, I'll put the full collection in our, our bio or not our bio rather, um, the show notes. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we didn't really have much, I didn't have anything else to say in my little speech at the beginning. So thank you guys for letting me do that. But, um, anything else you think people should know about? Mm, I don't think so. I don't think so either. All right. Well, I hope you guys actually, if you want more recommendations and then these, um, just shoot us a message or an email. Um, we'll be happy to, to look up some more for you, but, um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the professional book nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace. Professional book nerds is proud to be an evergreen podcast signature program to learn about other evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.